You've tuned in to Columbia Calling, your first stop for everything you want to know about Columbia. How and where to invest, where to visit. From the Pacific to the Caribbean, the Andes Mountains to the Amazon jungle, Columbia has a slice of everything. Shooting from the hip, answering the questions that need answering. Here's your host, the journalist and hotelier, Richard McCall, shedding some light on the fashionable South American destination of Colombia. It's that time of the week again, folks. This is me, your host, Richard McCall, here in Bogota, Colombia, 2,600 meters closer to the stars. And this is episode 374 of the Columbia Calling podcast. Well, it's been a tumultuous few days in Bogota and around the country with uh, nationwide strikes taking place uh, against, initially against, uh, the tax reforms taking uh, that were proposed by President Ivan Duque's government. These, of course, now have been shelved and uh, the government will go back to the drawing board with reference to this. And uh, indeed, heads have rolled. Heads have rolled this Monday with the Minister of the Treasury, uh, the Planning Minister and others resigning the government. So we'll see what happens in this uh, turbulent and uncertain time here in Colombia. This week's episode, 374, we're talking to Heidi Pastor Half in Cali. And this is a really interesting show because we're talking about emerging Jews in Colombia. So people changing their religion to that of Judaism. So very interesting. And of course, there, is an epi- there was an article out in the Washington Post about two weeks ago done by Half herself and her images, her photography showing this. So really, really fascinating story. Thank you to all of those who tuned in to our talk with Angela Alvarez or Angela Sierra, her nom de plume. Uh, it was incredibly popular. People liked the free-flying conversation and the discussion about uh, being a third culture child. A lot of people tuned in for that indeed. Of course, can I remind those of you out there that we're still pitching the uh, there's a photo workshop with combat photographer Malcolm Linton in Mompos, Colombia. So colonial Mompos is the setting for a photography workshop with one of the, a very renowned combat photographer, Malcolm Linton. You can hear about this a few episodes ago and indeed just look up the website malcolmlinton.com. There are spaces available in July, well, May, July and August. So we've got three workshops coming up. So sign up for that if you're here in Colombia or if you're thinking of coming. Anyway, this is episode 374. I'll leave you in the capable hands of Emily Hart, who will give you the news, and then we'll be back with Heidi Pastorhaf talking about uh, emerging Jews in Colombia. So thank you again, and don't go away. I'm Emily Hart, and these are your top stories for the week of May 3rd, 2021. After days of nationwide protest and thousands on the streets of Colombia, part of a movement known as the Paro, President Ivan Duque has agreed to drop the controversial tax reform bill which sparked the movement, though he says reform of some kind will still be necessary. Responsible for the bill, Finance Minister Alberto Carrasquilla handed in his resignation at the start of this week. Protests went on for five days and continued even after the announcement, led by labour unions and student movements, but joined by many others. Though the reform bill catalyzed the protests, those on the streets were protesting inequality, state violence, failure to implement the peace process, corruption, aerial fumigation plans and narco-politics, among many other themes. There is not yet a final count of deaths connected to the protests, which were mostly peaceful, though incidents of property damage, road blockades and confrontations with police did occur. 
NGO Temblores registered 940 cases of police violence during the protests. This includes at least 21 homicides, 92 victims of physical violence, 672 arbitrary detentions and four victims of sexual violence. Threats and harassment were also widely recorded. Press freedom group FLIP documented a further 33 aggressions against the press. The president insists that reform is vital to stabilising Colombia's finances in the face of the pandemic, maintaining its credit rating and funding social programmes. There is supposedly consensus on the need for temporary taxes on business and dividends, an increase in income tax for the wealthiest, and deepened state austerity measures. The central bank warned on Friday that failure to reform could have a negative impact on the economy, while the loss of the the country's investment-grade credit rating has already been priced in by many investors. Leaders of the National Strike Committee said the protests will continue. Withdrawing the tax proposal was just one of multiple demands. And in a key step for Colombia's peace process, former leaders of the FARC have accepted responsibility for kidnappings and some related human rights abuses during the civil conflict. This is part of Case 001 at the War Crimes Tribunal, known as the HEP. The FARC took more than 20,000 hostages between 1990 and 2016, many of whom were subjected to torture and degrading treatment. Their ransoms provided the guerrilla group's second largest income. In a statement, the FARC said leadership clearly assumes responsibility for kidnappings which took place and explicitly recognises the suffering inflicted unjustifiably on victims, their families, friends and, of course, all of Colombian society. The group will continue to give information to help find the remains of hostages who died captive. And the third wave of coronavirus continues. New daily cases at around 17,000. This figure has held since mid-April. ICUs are at over 90% capacity in numerous major cities, including Bogotá, Medellín, Cali, Santa Marta and Valladupar. Colombia has now suffered 75,000 deaths in a population of 50 million. 7% of the population has now received at least one dose of the vaccine. That was this week's news. Now back to Colombia Calling with Richard McCall. And we're back. This is the third segment of episode 374 of the Columbia Calling podcast. I'm here in Bogota. My very special guest this week is, well, Heidi Pastor Huff, and she's in Cali. And the reason she's on the show is actually I've only just become aware of her, although she's been in Colombia since 2003, but she wrote. Uh, and well, she's part of an amazing article, and she took the photographs uh, that came out uh, this past week in the Washington Post about emerging was emergent Jews in Cali and in Colombia. So, but anyway, we're going to talk all about this. Welcome on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Very happy to be here. Well, it's so exciting because it's not a history, it's religion, it's got contemporary society, uh, and we're going to get deep into this and, and so on, and, and all of the important things that we need to talk about. But first and foremost, how did you end up uh, in Colombia, in Cali? Well, you want the short version or the long version? The short version is for love. Ah, there we um, go. And the long version is I followed my boyfriend from college. I wanted an adventure. I wanted to learn Spanish. I wanted to live in another culture. And voila, here I am. Oh, very good. And he's Colombian, of course. He's Colombian, yeah. Okay. All right. And I mean, you're a New Yorker, uh, right? Yes. Or New Jersey? No, I'm from the Long Island. Oh, okay. I grew up in a, in a tourist community, so very small, small town. We were actually the only Jewish family <gasps> in, in the town at the time. Okay. And my father would drive us about 25 minutes to the nearest synagogue for, for religious classes. 
Oh wow! Okay, I I got I had the idea, you know, Brooklyn or something, you know, very you know, and it would be an ex. But but it's an extreme change anyway, Columbia from from Long Island, let's say. <laughs> but fantastic. Well, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this article. I mean, the title is "The Emerging Jews of Columbia." Now, if we just if we just talk basically about this, when we discuss emerging Jews, what we're talking about is new Jews. Right. New Jews, yes. Yes, they're exactly they're New Jerseyers. They're converts. Mm-hmm. So these are like I would say evangelical Christians or Catholics who are converting to Judaism. Absolutely, that's exactly what we're talking and about. And so you did this story, and you took the photographs because you are a photographer, storyteller, and you did the story, and it's really caught not only my imagination but the thousands of comments on the article some good some bad but... <laughs> i am totally blown away i had no idea and i'm gonna let you in on a little secret when i pitched the story to the washington post i thought it was i was pitching for their blog <laughs> i thought i was just going on they have a beautiful page for photography and mm-hmm. that's how i thought it was going i had no idea this was happening so i'm blown away with the response with the interest um so many people that have been reaching out to me to share their stories with me as well as a colombian who grew up in the states and they're feeling of belonging or the Colombian that actually converted to Judaism and moved to Israel or the Colombian who converted to Judaism, but lives in Miami and everybody is reaching out and and sharing personal stories with me. And it's, I'm blown away. I had no idea it would reach this many people. Well, it's huge. I mean, it is huge because I had a listener and I'll mention Zach, uh, a listener who wrote to me saying, it'd be great if you got this writer on. And there we are, you are here. So, uh, but that said, that said, let's talk about this i mean you know kelly's not i would say you you i don't consider it being you know like a a seat of of much judaism but there are seven emerging jewish synagogues right well there's seven that we know about there's three that are recognized by their their parallel organization um but then there are maybe four others that we know of but are not involved with any organization. So they're doing the process on their own without the help of any anybody else. Perhaps through like a a rabbi that comes from Colombia from Israel or Mexico or Argentina or the US and goes into these communities and starts teaching them about Judaism and then they decide to do their process on their own. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't want to get into it right now when you're ready to, but when we talk about Judaism, it is very centralized here in Colombia, Mm -hmm. and you have one organization that is monitoring all the other organizations. So what's happening here is we have the traditional community that's under one umbrella, and then we have the emerging community that's under another umbrella, parallel organizations, and then you have other people that are doing this process on their own that are not a part of any umbrella organization. Okay. But do they, I mean, you talk about these parallels and, and do, do, do they mix? Do they blend or they stay no. parallel? Ah. They stay very parallel. Uh, the chief rabbi of Israel um, consults with the communities that are under their organization, their umbrella organization, which I believe it's called the Comunidad uh, I have to look it up because I don't remember offhand, but it's this like Israeli, an Israeli community for emerging Jews, something mm-hmm. of the sorts. Um, and they consult everything with everything with the chief rabbi. He helps them in terms of security um, rules, and he's even he's he admires them very much, mm-hmm. and he 
told me there's actually 400 families that have been able to make Aliyah from these communities in Israel over the past 10 years. Hmm. I, it, I mean, it just seems I, 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 I'm fascinated by it because I mean we're in an overwhelmingly Catholic country. Obviously, there's evangelism, which has made immense inroads into various parts of the country, offering a, a I would say, a degree of forgiveness to people. You know, it's, uh, it's that kind of thing in the jungle areas or in inner cities or or so on. But you don't hear about people converting to Judaism. I mean, really. And I mean, there's history of, of Jewish immigrants to Colombia, not huge like Argentina or, or I guess Brazil or places like that. But, but there is a history here, and I've, I've often referred to it. And the, the, the book on this subject is by Enrique Ruiz Martinez called Quinta Sion, and he talks about the you know, different waves of Sephardic and Ashkenazi and, and so on. But you just don't hear it. And in your article, uh, I mean, you, you mentioned that there are roughly 4,000 uh, Jews in, in Colombia? I mean, this is a tiny figure. Tiny. Tiny. But so why do we, I mean, why, why so few, first of all? Well, I think in the height of the Jewish community would have been um, maybe in the 80s, 70s, 80s. Um, and, but then everybody started leaving. Um, even my husband at the time, he left to go to Venezuela. And we lived a few years in Venezuela before coming back to Colombia because the situation was so dangerous. A lot of people left Cali. They went to Bogota. They went to Panama. They went to Mexico. They went to the United States. They went to Israel. Um, but you also, um, so you had no job opportunities in Cali, very few. Mm. So because of the danger and the lack of opportunities, people left. Mm. Now, is your husband one uh, a Jewish Colombian? Yes, he is. His family, his mother, his father's family arrived in Cali in about 1936. They were, the, his grandfather fled Nazi Germany while his parents perished in the Lotz ghetto and his uncle, um, his, uh, his grandfather's brother, ended up in um, Argentina and he started the reform community in Argentina, Hans Harf. Okay. And Helmut, the grandfather, stayed in Cali and met my husband's grandmother who also came with was able to come with her entire family from germany wow. to colombia and when simon my husband his um, grandfather helmet arrived he tried to get visas for his parents and they couldn't get visas so that's what happened colombia had a small window where they allowed immigrants in yeah it was very small it was yeah. very small indeed. And then, of course, Colombia for the start of World War II was, uh, well, for a lot of it, was was pro-Axis. Uh, oh, I'm not sure of that, but I, I don't know. So I haven't read uh, that. I, 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 they, they switched yeah. later on. They switched yeah. later on. Because you've got, uh, well, when, when, when they could see which way the war was going. But because um, uh, then... The a couple of years into the war, uh, Colombians, the Colombian government then uh, took all of the German German immigrants' pop properties and Japanese uh, and put them into we can't say concentration camps, but camps they oh. they appropriated these things. Oh. And outside of Bogota, in a town called Fusagasuga, was the uh, hotel. I can't remember the Sabana, and that's yeah. where a lot of the ones from Bogota were put. Um, wow. I, was, I have no idea of that. Yeah, I was doing some research on something else, but came across the files in 
in the archives in Bogota, and there were post-war documents sent over from Germany uh, making the claim that some of their citizens had had land taken from them, and therefore, and that wasn't the agreement. You know, they had to pay a tax, uh, yeah. but they were to get their their land back, which they never did. Um, sure. And the Japanese community, which is bigger in in Cali, uh, but, in Palmira, Palmira, yeah. right next to Cali. Their original seat was in Corinto. And because of the violence moved in and because of what they know. So anyway, there's all these stories and I can, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big geek when it comes to these sort of things. So I get very I excited. <laughs> I do too. I love them. I found an art of, so we were, um, a friend of mine, who were also in the process of trying to tell the story of our traditional Jewish communities because it is dwindling mm. and there are very few people left. And I don't want to say it's dying, mm. but it seems to be that, Right now, the emerging communities are so much larger than the traditional communities. So it is something that needs to be addressed. So I, a friend of mine had wanted, we want to document the history of the Jewish community. Yeah. And by doing so, we started going through lots of um, archives and documents. And we came across, um, and you have to remind, Inquesta, in English, a, 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 a survey, a survey that they gave to all the Jewish members of the community. And on the survey, it was very interesting. So they said, "Who? what religion were you when you left the country and what religion are you declaring when you arrive? So of course it was a lot of Israelite, Israel, Israelita, Israelita, um, or some said that they were Jewish. They were now Christian or Catholic. So they were changing their religion on this form. Then they asked them as well, what, you know, what, what kind of atrocities did you encounter and just the messages and the, what they wrote or what they lost and the money and what was confiscated was unbelievable because you have this very official form and they're asking very personal questions. And those answers reveal so much of what was happening at the time and what happening in Colombia and, and even the fear that they were feel, that they were feeling to come in here. And um, I don't know the exact date, but there was, um, we found in the ledgers or the, the minutes of the meetings that they, and there's um, three communities in Cali. We have the Ashkenazi, the Sephardic, and then you have the Aliman. So the Aliman were the Jews from Germany, right? They had to have their own community. So my husband's grandparents were founders of that community and they had all their prayers and their meetings in German. And then I think at a certain point during the war, towards the end, they found a German submarine off the coast of um, Cartagena, I think, or was it? Yeah. yeah. And then they decided that they could no longer speak German. It was illegal to speak German. So they stopped meeting for a period of time because these immigrants didn't speak Spanish. And they didn't speak Yiddish. So they just stopped meeting because they weren't allowed to speak German. It's just incredible. It's yeah. just incredible. These hidden stories. And, and, and so much is just, just sort of washed away. It's important what you're doing. Do keep doing the research. Thank keep you. Doing it. So, so, but tell us, I mean, this research came along. And, and so I, I want to go back into this thing, the parallel communities of, of, the, of Judaism here in, in Colombia. So, can I, does Israel recognize the emergent Jews here then? Do, um, or are they separate? I mean, it's, it's, it's very weird for me to think about this. It's a very complicated issue. So halakhically, according to Jewish law, they are recognized. Mm -hmm. 
you are a Jew now and we will receive you as a Jew. Mm -hmm. But you want to make Aliyah? You can't make Aliyah. So they won't receive them as a Jew in Israel in terms of making Aliyah, the land of return. But we will accept you as a Jew. And it gets very complicated because it's the Jewish agency that represents Israel. Yes? And it's the Jewish agency that is in Bogota. So anybody who wants, as a Jew, who wants to go to Israel, you go to the Jewish agency and they're going to help you. And you get, you have a right to go to Israel. Mm -hmm. But in order to go to Israel, in order to make Aliyah, you have to belong to a traditional Jewish community. So that would mean the Sephardic, the Ashkenazi, or the German. And that's another thing. Right now, the German community in both Bogota and Cali is a very reformed community. And we can talk about that in a second. Um, in order to belong to the traditional Jewish community, you have to have had an Orthodox conversion done in the United States or Israel, or maybe Argentina, but they have a list of where you can get your conversion done. No Orthodox conversions are that are done in Colombia are valid to belong to a traditional Jewish community. And what do we have happening? We have groups coming from Israel and grabbing these evangelical churches, and this is where the controversy comes in, and grabbing these people, teaching them Judaism, doing a mass conversion where many times the conversion process is sped up and um, it's sped up. And then they promise these people, you can go to Israel, your conversion's valid. And then they go to Israel, they go and they request and they say no. So when I brought up the reformed communities, a reformed conversion is accepted to go to Israel. And it's and a reformed conversion can be done in Colombia. The, the German community is doing conversions. And right now, even though my father-in-law is um, still a member of the German community, he says when he goes to synagogue, he's only one of three original members. The rest are converts. So you do have cases where people have gone through one or two Orthodox conversions here in Colombia, find out that their conversion is not valid to go to Israel. And then they decide, well, I'm going to become a member of the emerging community that will accept my conversion. I can be there for two years and then I can go to Israel. And that's what's happening as well. So then you start, one can easily start to question, what is, what is the purpose? Why are you converting? What is your goal? People and um, the people that I photograph. Who, who are coming to this with such passion that they would never consider going to a reformed community. They say, no, our path is Orthodox Judaism. This is the way it is. And I will make it to Israel continuing on this path. I'm not taking the shortcut. I, I you know, I, I mean, a lot of things were brought to my attention by scrolling through. I think I went through about 200 of the comments. <laughs> but I, when I saw the, you know, 1,000, yeah, I'm not going all the way through that. But there are a lot of people asking, as you know, what you just mentioned, the motive for converting to Judaism. Uh, in your piece, nicely put, there are people just saying, this really was the religion or is the religion that has appealed to me the lifestyle the morals the the existence and you can that that kind of thing comes across but of course there are others you know it's like it's a it's a way out somewhere else and but it, it, you know when you talk about the reform and then you talk about this and alia and the, 
it all gets very murky. <laughs> it all gets very, there's a, there's a huge gray area there. Uh, and I, I, it's going to be a, increasingly difficult, I suppose, for the rabbis to, to control. I, I don't know. Well, they stopped all conversion. They stopped looking at all conversion requests. Oh, sorry, all Aliyah requests from these emerging communities. Right now they're halted. So there is a couple who, in the article, they're photographed and they're in Israel now. And they just got a visa so that they can do their conversion in Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, you have, I think the problem is that we cannot look at these as the groups as a whole. And I think... We have to be very careful because when we start generalizing and putting people into categories, we lose their motives and everybody's going and they're searching for something and everybody has their own reason to get there. Mm-hmm. And, and, and whatever it is, they found something, but we don't know what is the backstory of how they got there. And, we, and if you look at them as a whole, it's very easy to generalize. And we are going to find people that their motives are just get me out of Colombia, you know, and we're going to find people that are truly passionate about Judaism and this is the way of the life and, and you're going to find people who are like yeah I like Judaism and it's, it's I'm going to get something good out of it you know I think also something that you and I discussed before the podcast started that in Colombia is social mobility is is so difficult it's almost non-existent here and I think you know you go into small neighborhoods of Kali and you just kind of see how it's almost like Groundhog Day every single day there nothing changes and the wet's always hot and you know maybe it's it's just you know it doesn't seem like a very pleasant place that you want to wake up and be every single day and I think in this search for identity we're also searching for a place to give our children more opportunities Mm. and through Judaism they probably found a purpose in life a purpose in in something bigger to believe in than themselves and then at the same time a possibility to give their children a better future I, the, the question of identity is one uh, to which I, I, I often come to here in Colombia. And in fact, in the last week's show, I was, you know, my, my, my children are bicultural. Of course they are, you know, half English, half, half Colombian. And, and this identity question, you know, being the second culture and so on, or third culture, it's tough. But also Colombian identity on its own, I don't think... We, and I say we, I live here, it's been a long time. Not as long as you, it's been a long time. Um, but I don't think, you know, if you were to ask fully or you asked 20 Colombians about identity, they wouldn't come back to you with the same answer. There wouldn't be one. And the only thing that maybe would be uh, of, of note would be the, the yellow of the Colombian football jersey or, or something like that. You know, it's, but, you know, somebody wouldn't, one person might say birds, birds, and, and the other might say vallenato or, or coffee or something. And I think that's one of the big issues here, identity. And, and so therefore, the, you know, to, to convert to Judaism is, is potentially, you know, joining uh, something recognized with millennia or, uh, uh, history to it. I don't know. I mean, you, you, you should, so I think you're suggesting that a lot as well. As, um, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and then this, this other thing is uh, there are articles, and I think Washington Post did print one many years ago, and I know it's on NPR, and I know there's something in Atlantic something about the sort of I guess it's the crypto Jews in Colombia, and and they say that Bayo Antioquia is one of the the, the sort of key places where um, perhaps more 
Jewish people settled, or I, I don't know, they've, they've discovered, a, what, is it a Y chromosome? I don't know. Yeah, they say that, and you can hear, I mean, in Colombia, say people are very, the, the Pisces, Antiopia, they're very proud, mm. and, they're, and they have a, a reputation of being very hard workers. Mm. And they'll say, oh, it's because we were settled, we were Jews, you know, and they say that. Although in the people that I've spoken to and in my own research, we haven't found any proof that says that crypto Jews came from Spain and settled in Antioquia. And we're not saying it couldn't have happened. It's just we haven't found anything. I do believe that there was there is a professor, perhaps in Antioquia or Bogota, that is or wants to do a DNA research. But as you can say, is I think most Spaniards you do any DNA, I mean, or any Colombian, you're going to do DNA, you are going to find, you know, roots back to Spain and essentially Jewish blood, you know, and we can't look at last names. I don't think last names is a really good way to decide if you have Jewish roots or not. Um, Another interesting tidbit is, you know, how Spain opened up um, the application, you know, you could get the citizenship if you could show that you had Jewish descent. 28 thousand Colombians applied for the Spanish passport. <laughs> how many got it? I don't know how many got it, but everybody I know applied. <laughs> I, I know of people here in Bogota who got it. Uh, yeah. there was, they paid a genealogist in Spain who was yeah. able to trace them all the way back and, with, and they found Sephardic you know, ancestry there. And so they've got the they're not going. Yeah. Uh, they, the, 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 the mother doesn't want to go. She's my age. Uh, but she said, you know, opportunity for my, for my daughter. Exactly. As simple as that. Education, opportunity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 28,000, it's a huge number. But, so I don't, you know, I think this thing, I, I, as, you, as you say, why would, why would persecuted Jews under the Inquisition come to Colombia or Nueva Granada or whatever, under the Inquisition. <laughs> I mean, we have, we have records and proof, and I believe one of the oldest synagogues in the Americas is in Curacao. Mm-hmm. And they ended up in Curacao. They ended up in Jamaica, in Barbados, and Aruba. They would go to a Dutch or English colony where they were free to practice. Mm-hmm. And they quickly remarried. Mm-hmm. And in Judaism, after three generations, you kind of erase your lineage. You don't kind of, you do erase your lineage, you know, and it gets passed through the mother. So if, you know, three generations of the woman, boom, you're done. You have to start all over again, which is not a problem. And I'm not saying that, you know, if you do have that strong feeling that that's what's your roots, that's fine. Go with it. I love it. You know, I think it's marvelous. Um, But a lot of people... A lot of these emerging individual people that are emerging and converting, they are holding on to that. They're trying to find a, a certain um, evidence to kind of justify their decision. But you don't really need to have that. But people are grabbing onto it. Oh, yes, we never were able to eat pork in the house. Okay, mm. interesting. Oh, my father used to kill the chicken this way. Okay, you know, and people are saying that they've noticed certain customs. Mm. Oh, I must have been Jewish. Um, but I find, you know, I think we, we can believe whatever we want to believe and history is written by the survivor. Yeah. So in the end, they, if they want to hold on to that and that's their reason, you know, for doing it, yeah. Pueda, you know, well, like, yeah, I've heard of that, you know, there's, there's people saying, oh, we always wondered why our grandparents painted the lintels of the doors or, or, or why they tied different knots in the bases oh. of their ruanas and stuff. And so yeah. you're, you're getting to that. Exactly. I think that's fascinating. 
but so I mean, uh, well, actually, one more thing about this and these, these curiosities: there was a very famous uh, uh, mayor of Bogota, Fernando Masuera, who who married into the Jewish community, and it, uh, and that he was not from Bogota. He was a, he was one of the, he was mayor four times. Of course, this was before popular vote and everything, because it's in the nineteen. Um, 40s and 30s. Uh, he was married during or just after, just after the Bogotaso uh, and all of these things. And um, and his, the the family's other surname is Kling, K L I N G, and and they have a big, uh, they uh, own jewelry shops here. But he he wasn't from Bogota, so he was provincial. And you're talking about this social mobility. He had some money, and it, but by marrying into the Jewish community. Elevated his status, but he was never part of, the, like, say, Bogota upper class. It's really interesting when you study him. That is interesting, but you know, I mean, we don't. I've been here eighteen years, and I will always be La Gringa. Yeah. And I have people who say every time they hear my accent, they say, "Where are you from?" And I'm like, oh, "Again? Okay, I'm from New York." Yeah. And they're like. Oh, and do you like it here? And I'm like, yeah. It's like, how long have you been here? I'm like, 18 years. So it's we'll never Colombians. I think in that way, it's very hard to fit in. So even if you make all the money, you know, and you become very wealthy, you're going to be judged. How did you make the money? Who did you marry? Who what? Who did you um, steal from? You know, everybody's very suspicious of everybody, yeah. and it's very hard to be actually be able to fit in. I mean, when will I stop being the gringo? When will you stop being a gringo? It's a gringo. I, yeah, as you say, you're 18. It's something like 15 or so, and 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 yeah, taxi driver. Oh, you like Colombia? You know, it's how mm-hmm. how 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 you know, like we get, and you're just like, come on, at the end of it. <laughs> You tell them how many years. Oh, but you you live here. You're practicing. You're you're Colombian. It's, like, it's very nice of you to say so. But I I I am made. It's 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 essentially a known thing that I'm not. <laughs> I mean that's it. It's essentially agreed by everyone that I'm not. And 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 it's it's uh, and the suspicion. Who did you rob? What business? I have my little businesses in Mompos in Bolivar and. Of course, I'm laundering dollars. That's, you know, th- there can't be any honest way while I, I, I have business. Yeah, it's, of course, it's, yes. It's, it's very sad on that front, but then that comes with so much of the history that's, that's rolled into Colombia and, and the suspicion, as you say, and, the, and, the, and, you know, victim type feeling and so on. But you're here, you're here for the long run. <laughs> and, 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 uh, you've been, you know, that, uh, your kids, obviously, growing up in the Jewish community, how do they feel about, all, you know, being Jewish in Cali in Colombia? Well, it's interesting. They have a very strong Jewish identity. And that was something that was very attractive to me with my husband when I met him and I came to Colombia for the first time. You know, we had Shabbos dinners every Friday night with his whole family, his uncle, the children, their children, you know, and they were 20, 20 people Shabbos dinners. And it was this big sense of family, which growing up and being the only Jewish person in my small town, I didn't have. So it was very attractive to me. And my children are growing up with that. Not since the pandemic. Since the pandemic, it's been a disaster. But before that, you know, we would have Shabbos dinner 
every Friday night and with friends, with family. And it was this real sense of identity and their friends would be like, Oh, please invite me for Shabbos. I want to see what it's like. Mm-hmm. And we'd invite people and we do the blessings and it was lovely. So my children are growing up with a real strong sense of Jewish identity and, you know, and kind of this feeling of community, which Growing up in the U.S., you don't really have a sense of community. You belong to a synagogue. But is there this strong sense? And you have a kinship with, you know, other Jews. Oh, you're Jews. Okay, we're members of the tribe. You know, maybe you don't say that, but you feel it. Mm -hmm. And then, um, but here in Colombia, particularly Cali, you have a real sense of community, an extended family. And my children certainly feel part of that extended family. To the point that when an outsider comes in, we all just kind of, Look, like we suspicious. Who are you? Why are you here? <laughs> you know, we're doing the same thing that people are doing to us. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. I I actually uh, I was invited once to um Shabbat in Antwerp to a friend's and it was so nice it was a really nice <laughs> event everyone sitting around the table good chat uh, good food <laughs> I mean I really oh. enjoyed it uh, but I, I also I just I like that I mean that whole that strong Jewish identity is so very important and then so uh, you know it's so comforting to know especially in a place where we wouldn't immediately consider you know a Jewish community Cali let's say and Colombia as well I mean you're always the gringo I'm always the gringo and I realized today and now uh, the international community is much larger than it was back in 2003 when you moved and back in 2007 when I moved but I was I came to Cali in I don't know 2000 or something on a job and you know we were at the Petronio Alvarez me and my, the photographer with we were the two white people there I mean we were the oh, two yes. foreigners <laughs> and 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 we we caused quite a stir <laughs> you know you to, sure. and, uh, and so that kind of thing and it's it's changed obviously dramatically since then but we're on no level close to other Latin American countries um let's say uh, Peru, Ecuador, Brazil, Argentina, etc. We're nowhere near, even though Colombia. Go- yeah, but it's 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 interesting. It's, it makes me laugh a bit because Colombia will go. Oh, there's so many foreigners here. There really aren't. <laughs> there really aren't. But I asked you. I have to ask you this hard question. Well, maybe an unpleasant question. Is there any type of persecution? Have you felt a discrimination? I have not. Well, okay. Um, no, that's not true. It's interesting because I will have some friends that will make comments and they're like, oh, those Julios. And I'm like, you'll make a comment like that. Mm. And I just pass it off as ignorance. And one day I was having a conversation with a woman and she said something about money. She's oh, me salió el Julio, that my Jew came out. And I was like, what does that mean? And she's like, well, I can actually say that. Because I, I did the DNA and I have Sephardic roots. I'm just thinking, oh my God. So persecution, no, attacks, no, but verbal mm. uh, uh, stupidities, absolutely. Ignorance, you know, comments that, you know, we associate Jews with money mm. or uh, just... Yeah, definitely have heard some of those. Yeah, I'd say in Bogota, I think the community is very united here, and uh, there is the menorah on the was it eighty ninety four ninety three? That's with the Chabad. Yeah, they yeah. do that. Yeah. And and the synagogue right up there by behind the. Um, Ernesto Grau uh, gallery and so on and you see quite a, a few you know um, but I don't I mean I've only seen a f- you know a few of the people wearing you know the traditional outfits and so on and in Chapinero as well I've noticed a couple of homes there too but again 
it's 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 you know the it's, it's not the not the norm. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. You in Bogota, you have a large emerging community as well. Mm-hmm. Um, also in Bogota, I totally lost what I was going to say, so we'll just go back. No. There's definitely. Um, yeah, in Cali, we put them in order. They want to be. They want to be seen. They want to make a presence. We, the Jews, want to make a presence. But you have to remember, fifteen years ago, before we were so connected, many of these individuals in Cali or in Colombia didn't even know what a Jew was. Mm-hmm. Had never even seen a Jew. And I walk into emerging communities, and they say to me, "You're the first Jew of blood that I've met." And I'm thinking, "Oh my God, okay." And they their world has opened up. So even like 15 years ago, they, we we had no presence in, in Colombia 20 years ago. It was very hard. But um, in Cali, there was a, and in Bogota, there, there still is. In Cali, there used to be a Jewish school. The community at a certain point had about 1,500 people. Um, it was a one, and there's a Jewish club. And, you know, and they were, they had a reputation for really having a great school. So a lot of um, people that went in and put their children in the school were not Jewish, you know? And they really had held the community in high regards. They also associate the community with money, with influence, um, which is not the case. It's not a very, Kali is not a very wealthy community. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. um, and, then, and then there was another comment, and we're winding this down though, there was another comment about a Dutch con man doing, yes. um, doing conversions. And I just I, found it so he, curious. Okay, first of all, if he is listening, please reach out to me. Um, <laughs> he has definitely heard of conmen. Um, we haven't gotten any names, but we do know that there are people coming in and going into these evangelical places and converting. There is one man um, in Cali many years ago, and he did, a, I never met him, but he did a lot of damage to the community. I'm not sure how, but he's like, we don't talk about him. Okay. Um, and he went in and started, you know, finding people in these other communities and starting to convert them. So they do exist. And that's why we also have to be very careful and question, who are you and why are you coming here? Mm-hmm. You know, and what, what promises were you told? You I know? So interesting. And I think as you just, I just kind of winding, but I mean, yeah, that we get here, this is, there is such a, an ability to, um, I don't know. I would call it kind of piracy. (laughs) Feed on the vulnerabilities of people that are looking for a better life. And it's not cheap. They're paying lots of money for a conversion. They could pay 6 million pesos in the last, one of the last conversions, a couple paid, I believe it was 6 million pesos um, for the two of them. And, you know, the minimum salary in Colombia, I think is about 800,000 pesos a month. Around there. Around there. Around there. And they were told that they would be able to go to Israel to find out you can't go to Israel. Uh, this is hard work. I mean, this is hard And it was work. their second conversion. All right. So how do you feel, I mean, the future? I mean, let's, 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 let's wind this down then. How do you okay. feel the future, future for emergent uh, emergent Jews. I mean, will there be, uh, let's say, a mass acceptance, or the, you know, the Judaism will will continue to treat them as somewhat? I don't want to say outsiders, but different. <laughs> I, I sadly, I I do because a lot of racism exists, and I think even if they do end up in in Israel, um, and I am rooting for a few to go there. There's a few that I know would just 
they would be such an asset to the country. Mm -hmm. Um, But they will all be within their own enclave, I think. I think they'll end up being with other Colombians, probably in some settlement in the West Bank, because that's where Israel's going to want them. And they... Um, you know, I, I imagine the Ethiopian Jews in Israel stick together. You know, I know the Ashkenazi Jews, and then you have the um, religious Jews stick together, and the non-religious Jews. You know, you kind of find your group. So I do believe if they go to Israel, they'll always be outsiders. Um, and as long if as long as they're in Colombia, they're not doubtful that they'll be accepted into. I mean, a handful might be accepted into a traditional community, but the most of them won't also because they're extremely religious and our traditional community, even though it is an Orthodox community and the men and the women are separate, they're not, um, um, we're not as religious as them. We're traditionally religious, but we are not devout. You know, we're not going to pray three times a day and we're not so um, passionate as they are with the prayer. Um, And then almost born again, isn't it? Well, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So they're, they're more hardcore than the, than, than those of you with the, the blood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so yeah. interesting. It's so yeah, I interesting. Think, I think they'll always be outsiders. I mean, and you also have to understand in a lot of these communities, these emerging communities, they need members so they can build a membership so they can have money so they can support their their school every all their vision for a jewish future in Kali. but by doing so they're also proselytizing and in judaism we don't proselytize and so that's number one but number two is they're also welcoming people into their community that are just sympathizers that don't want to convert but want to continue practicing jew being jew so then it gets very hard for a larger organization to define who is a Jew and who isn't a Jew when you're allowing non-Jews to continue practicing with you. So it's this big labyrinth. <laughs> the labyrinth is true. <laughs> I don't know where to go with that one. <laughs> I don't know where to go from that. So where can any of my listeners either, I mean, do you have a website or do you want uh, that people can read your writing? So, okay, so... Okay, yes, HeidiHarf.com, H-E-I-D-I-H-A-R-F.com. That's my website. You'll be able to see some of my stories of Columbia. Um, And I'm starting to write, you know. I never saw myself as a writer until I was published by the Washington Post and they asked me to write something. So I kind of got forced into it. Um, Like, describe what you felt. Describe your feelings. What are you thinking with your photographs? So all of a sudden, I had to put everything into words and it was it was lovely and freeing and I'm looking forward to doing more and my Instagram is Heidi Harf um and you've been I'm not very active on the social media but I do promise to start trying to be more active <laughs> i mean you've got to yeah. get that you've got to get it out there unfortunately yeah. the unfortunate realities of today is the self-promotion that we have to do but but your message got out that article has been incredibly popular although i mean we wouldn't have spoken without it i mean that's the truth right. I'm so grateful. <laughs> and so, and so, uh, thank you so much for your time and for such a you know a, a, it was a clear explanation of this and as I will say again, an immense gray area <laughs> in the, in the well, Jewish faith. I'm glad I could help. I think there's many questions and there's many answers. Mm. And we have to be very open-minded and we have to be very careful not to lump a whole group of people together. And I think that comes with everything in our lives, you know? <laughs> 
Well, listen, thank you again for this. And we will send people to your website, HeidiHalf.com. And of course, I'll put it on the Facebook page and on Twitter and so on and so forth. But uh, I thank you. I mean, it's been really, really interesting. It's been really educational for me because I don't know a lot. I mean, I, I, I read and stuff, but I don't, you don't hear it from the Jewish community in <laughs> Colombia. <laughs> Yeah, you won't. But anyway, any more questions, anything, I'm happy to talk about it. It's one of my most interesting topics for me as well. Perfect. Well, you heard it here first, folks. So this has been a really a great episode with Heidi Half. It's been episode 374 of the Columbia Calling podcast. Our thanks goes out to Heidi there in Cali. And we wish you all the best to stay well, stay healthy and during this uh, challenging lockdown again. <laughs> again <laughs> again oh, well thank you again and, and, and it's been a real pleasure please for those of you listening of course subscribe sign up whatever and we'll be back next week with more people talking uh, about something Colombia related of course that's farewell from me bye bye like